we find in Nehemiah chapter number 8 that Ezra has come up on the scene. Now, we know just a little bit about Ezra as we looked the last couple of weeks in Ezra chapter uh, number 7 and verse number 10. The Bible said, For Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgment. Now we make our way to Nehemiah chapter number 8. And and as we see and as we read just the first uh, six verses of this chapter, we see that Ezra has made his appearance before the people. And Ezra has made his appearance before Nehemiah. And we see in this text that we see that Ezra in verse number 2 is called a priest. We see in Ezra the priest. I brought the law before the congregation of both of men and women. Not only do we see that Ezra is called in Nehemiah chapter number 8 a priest, but we see in verse number 4 that Ezra is also called at the scribe. And notice here in Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose. And then in verse number at verse number five, we see an Ezra opened the book of the uh, in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Now we've read just a few verses of Nehemiah chapter at number eight, and as we read and as we just look at these few verses this morning. It's not very hard to see three particular things in these verses uh, that have changed in the day and hour in which we have lived in. Now I want to preach just a few moments on things that have changed. First of all, in verse number one, we see a people. And in verse number three, we see a people. And I would say for sure today that the people of God has surely changed since Nehemiah chapter uh, number 8. Not only that, today we see a a people, we see a priest, and uh, we see a pulpit of wood, the Bible said. And we would say today that if there is three things in our midst this morning at Nehemiah chapter number 8 that has surely changed uh, since Nehemiah chapter 8, it is for sure the people of God, it is for sure the preacher, and it is for sure the pulpit. And as we look at three things that have changed drastically in Nehemiah chapter number 8, I want to say this morning that these three things that have changed has a, has an effect on everybody that is here this morning. When the people of God begin to change, it affects this nation. When the preacher begins to change, it affects this nation. And when the pulpit begins to change, it affects this nation. And as we look at this nation around us, as we see, I no doubt that we're going to hell in a handbasket. We're living in a wicked nation. Once a nation that was founded on God is now a nation that mocks God, a nation that mocks sin. And I want to say today, if we've got three things to blame, we can blame the people. We can blame the preacher and we can blame the pulpit. And as we see today, three things that have changed 
Since Nehemiah chapter number 8, I want to look at first of all this morning the people that have changed. Now notice in verse number 1, the Bible said, And all the people, this here is not the people of the world, but this is the people of God. All the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And as we look at the people that have changed, the people of God, I want to say today the people of God has got farther away from God and the people not of God has got closer to sin. And as we see today what has changed in the people of God, ourselves, we can see in verse number 1, I see a people that was together. And if there's one thing that is divided among our churches today, it is the people of God. This side can't get along with this side. Uh, This church over here believes a different doctrine uh, than this church. And if there's ever going to be a move of God in our society, a move of God in our churches, we must get back to being together. Notice in uh, in Acts chapter number 2, the Spirit of God moved when the Bible said they was in one place in one accord. And as we see in Nehemiah chapter number 8 and verse number 1, we can see that these people, the people of God, they are together. They gathered themselves together as one man. We're not to have cliques in church. We're not to have groups in church. But we are to come together as one people. And as we see here in our text that they are, they are together, the Bible said, as one man. So if I say today what has changed among the people, that they're not together no more. They're not together no more. These people in Nehemiah chapter 8, we see that and we observe that they are united people waiting on the move of God. And that's what we need in the day and hour in which we live in. We need God's people to come together and begin to pray. And as we looked in Sunday school, to humble themselves and to seek His face. And then we're going to see a move of God. But not until the people of God get back together and become as one and wait on a holy God to move and to, and to do something in their life that will change them forever. One thing that has changed the people of God aren't together no more. And not only that, but what has changed among the people, they're not thirsty for the word no more. I find a people in Nehemiah chapter number 8, verse number 1, I find a people that are together. They're together as one. But not only I find a people together, but I find a people that is thirsty for the Word of God. Notice what the Bible said in verse number 1. They gathered themselves together as one man into the street. That was before the water gate. And notice what the Bible said. And they spake. The people, the people spake unto to Ezra, the scribe, notice what the Bible said, to bring the book. They was thirsty for the book. They was thirsty for the scriptures. And if I find something today that's different, if I find something today that has changed among the people, that the people of God, it is that they're not together 
and that they're not thirsty for the Word of God no more. I want to ask you today, how long have you spent in the Word of God since last Sunday morning? Most people, the only Bible reading they get is what they hear the preacher read on Sunday morning and not even Sunday night because they're not there at Wednesday night. So the only Bible reading they get is a few verses that the man of God reads on Sunday morning and they're not thirsty for the Word of God no more. And we see here we need to get back with the attitude of these people to bring the book. We need the book back in our schools. We need the book back in our courthouse. We need the book back in our churches. And we need the book back in our country. Notice here these people, they are together and they are thirsty for the Word of God. Notice here we see a people that did not seek after Ezra's opinion. They didn't say, Ezra, bring your opinion. Ezra, Ezra, bring a translation. No, but what's the Bible say? They said, bring the book. I want to tell you this morning, I don't have a King James Version. I've got a King James Bible. I've got the book. I've got the book of God. And notice here, the people's not thirsty for the true word of God. They want a book that's easy to read. I want to tell you, you want to make the King James Bible easy to read, you get saved by God's amazing grace and he'll make it easy for you to read. A spiritual dead man cannot understand the word of God. That's why they go to different versions and different translations because it's a worldly book and worldly people can understand a worldly book but a worldly people cannot understand a godly book. They said bring the book. Not only do we see a people that is together a people that is thirsty. But notice I see a people and I see their time spent around the word of God. I see they was together in verse number one. I see they was thirsty in verse number one. But what, 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 uh, what brings to my attention is the time that they spent around the word of God. Notice here their their time was not their time was not on carnal things their time was not on worldly things. For people of this world, Christians rather, they can sit in front of a television and watch a football game or basketball game or a television show for hours and hours and hours. But we need to get our mind back on the Christian things. Notice here the time that they spent around the Word of God in verse number 3. And the Bible said, and he, that's Ezra, that read therein before the street. That was before the water gate. Notice what the Bible said from the morning until midday. Hours did these people spend time around and under the Word of God. It drives most of you crazy for set for 30 or 45 minutes to hear the Word of God preached. And if we, I see one thing or several things that have changed in the people, it is that they're not together no more. They're not thirsty no more. And they don't spend no time around the Word of God. They don't spend no time in the house of God. If you would spend 
as much time as you did on the football field, on the soccer field, at the schoolhouse, around the television as you spent in the house of God. It will not blow our mind when we see God move like he did this morning. It will not blow our mind when the preacher preaches for 30 or 45 minutes and singing goes on for 30 minutes. We need to get back spending time in the house of God and spending time in the Word of God. And notice here we see that the time they spent around the Word of God. Not only do I see things that have changed in the people, their thankfulness for the Word. These people in Nehemiah chapter 8, they was thankful. They told Ezra to bring, bring the book, bring the scriptures. They was interested in what was in the five books of Moses. That's all they had. And you know what's different today between these people and us today? They didn't have a copy of the Word of God. They had to get somebody like Ezra to bring it to them and to read it to them. And my, they soaked up every bit of word of God that they could get. And I want to say today, what's a shame is that we've got a copy of the word of God. Most of you don't have one Bible, but you got several Bibles. If you like me, you probably got about 15 or 20 Bibles. And we don't find ourselves reading the word of God the way we should. Notice here, we've got an advantage over these people. We've got 66 books that make up one book of the Word of God. So I find a people that has changed. And as we look at ourselves this morning and, and look at, at this nation this morning, as the people of God, would you not say that for sure the people... Uh, that are called by God, that the people that have been chosen by God, saved by God's grace has changed. They're not together no more. They're not becoming one no more. Uh, but they're divided. And not only that, they're not thirsty no more. Uh, they're not thirsty for the Word of God. Uh, they don't spend time around the Word of God no more. And they're not thankful for the Word of God. Notice here, notice what these people did when Ezra read the book of the law, the book of God. The Bible said in verse number 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. They had reverence. They had respect for the Word of God. You don't have respect for the Word of God if you let it get a suntan from Monday to Sunday in your car. You don't have respect for the Word of God if you let it sit on the mantle and get dust on it. You don't have respect for the Word of God if you never read it. But we see here that these people respected the Word of God so much that they stood up when Ezra brought the book and laid the book before them. They respected it so much they weren't standing for the man of God, but they were standing for God word. Notice what they say in verse number 6, and worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. And verse number 9, and, and for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. They were so thankful. 
They were so thankful for the word that they wept when they heard it read. They wept when they heard it read. I want to ask you a personal question this morning. How many, how many teardrops has hit your Bible when you've read the word of God? Can you go show me, preacher? There it was. There it was when God helped me and tears began to fall. And there's the wrinkles in my Bible when the water from my eyes began to fail on the Bible. I can take you to my house right now and I can get a Bible that I preached out of for five years. I can take you to Psalm 71, verse number one. And I can show you where it's wrinkled. I can show you where tears has dropped on that verse. And when the doctor told us Ezra or Z, wouldn't make it when he would die at birth. I didn't go nowhere, but I went to the Word of God, and tears began to fall out of my face. And on that verse there, I can go back and say, Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. It brought assurance to this broken man's heart, it brought assurance to this man's life. And this morning, I'm thankful for the Word of God. I see a people that has changed. But not only that, I see Ezra. He's a priest. He's a scribe. We see here that he's not preaching behind this pulpit, but he is saying what, what the law says. I'm not taking it out of context right here when I preach this, but I see today a people that has changed. And as we look at Ezra being a man of God, you know what I see second that has changed in this nation? The preacher. The preacher has changed. Not only has the people changed, but the people changed. And when the people begins to change, the preacher thinks he has to change. And when the preacher begins to change, the people think they need to change. That's when we got this contemporary movement in 2019. The people wanted a change. So you know what the preacher did? He took off the suit. He took off the white shirt. He took off the tie. He took off the dress pants. And he went and got him a Hawaiian shirt and shorts and flip-flops. And now we don't have a man of God behind the pulpit. But we got a sodomite behind the pulpit. And we got a pedophile behind the pulpit. And we we don't have a man of God standing behind the pulpit of God preaching the word of God. People's change. But we don't point our fingers at only the people but the preacher as well. Notice here what is said. What is said about Ezra. First of all, we said Ezra was a true man of God. Notice in verse number, verse number 2 what the Bible said in Ezra the priest. Notice here what the Bible said. He brought the law. He brought the law before the congregation. Both of men and women and that all could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. First of all, I see in this preacher or rather this priest uh, but I can find a day in this country in the day and hour in which we're living in that the preacher's not bringing the law before the congregation. But there's a man out in Texas, I don't have to call his name, but every time you hear him, you know how he starts off his sermon? 
he tells them about a joke or some kind of other worldly thing. Now, I want to say today, Ezra wasn't a man of God that brought a joke before his people and before his congregation. A joke will send you to hell. A joke will send our children to hell. But what's going to keep them out, preacher? It's going to be a man of God preaching the law of God to the children of God and to the men and women of God. And notice here, Ezra was a true man of God. Why? But because of what he brought before his congregation. He didn't bring his opinion. He didn't bring what they wanted to hear. He brought the law of God. Notice here what the Bible said in verse number 3. And Ezra brought the law. The law before the congregation. Brought the law before the congregation. Not only do we see that Ezra was a true man of God. But Ezra was one that practiced what is preached. He practiced what he taught. What's the Bible saying? Ezra 10, 7, verse 10. He prepared his heart to seek the law. And what's the Bible say? And to do it. There's many preachers today that have learned to be a good speaker. But they don't have a good spiritual life. Ezra was a good speaker. But he was also a good spiritual leader. Ezra was also a good reader. He was a scribe. He read before the people, but he was also righteous. You know what has changed in the day and hour in which we live in? It's not only the people, but it is the preacher. We've got too many good speakers and not a good and not enough spiritual leaders. I want to tell you today we've got preachers that are messing with little children and the congregation. And you don't say, preacher, I wouldn't say it. I don't have to say it. It's on News Channel 7 and News Channel 13. We've got preachers that are standing behind the pulpit and preaching to a congregation that has never been saved by God's amazing grace and we got preachers that can't get the dip or the cigarette out of their mouth long enough to preach the word of God how are you going to tell me how to quit drinking if you can't quit dipping and you can't quit smoking what we need today is preachers that is not making their living out of the offering plate but is making their living by the sweat of the brow and not just going the way the church wants them to go but I'll have a backbone and I'll stand and preach the pure word of God no matter who it makes mad men of God her so called men of God has got so comfortable Tony receiving a check every week that they'll just go with the flow no matter what goes on you can have the check I'm going with God notice here we see a preacher that has changed Notice here, we see today there's more false teachers and false preachers than they are true men of God in the day and hour in which we're living in. We see in Nehemiah chapter 8 a people that has changed, a preacher that has changed. Not only that, lastly, we see a pulpit that has changed. Notice what the Bible said. In Nehemiah chapter number 8 and verse number 4. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit. Now if it wasn't important, 
God wouldn't put it in his Bible. I see three things about this pulpit that has changed today in the hour in which we're living in. Say, preacher, I don't believe it. Get on YouTube or whatever you want to get on and you'll find what I'm saying is the truth. Three things that I find in God's pulpit that has changed since Nehemiah chapter 8. First of all, it is the material of the pulpit. The material of the pulpit. Preacher, you're crazy. I know I am. You don't have to tell me. I know it. Uh, notice here the materials changed. Notice what the Bible said. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of glass. No. He sat upon a bar stool. No. He sat upon a little podium made out of little bit of metal. No. The Bible said in Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood. You know what has changed in the day and hour in which we live in? It is the material in which the pulpit is made out of. Notice here this pulpit of wood in Nehemiah chapter 8 was made for a purpose. For the word of God to go out and to the people of God. And if there's one thing that has changed behind God's pulpit, it is the material in which the pulpit is made out of. There's many preachers today, they're getting away of the wooden pulpit and getting a glass pulpit in. There's many preachers today that's getting rid of the wood pulpit and putting a bar stool and a little podium and they're sitting down and they're making jokes before their congregation and all their congregation is going to hell and they'll be responsible for the souls that they lead to a devil's hell. The materials change. Anytime you see the material change behind the pulpit, you look it up, all those contemporary churches, they don't have a wooden pulpit. Why? Because the Word of God's not going out from behind the pulpit. Ezra had him a pulpit of wood. Why? Because it was for a purpose that the Word of God was going to go out from behind that pulpit. Notice here. Not only do we see the materials change from this pulpit. Not only has the material changed, but we've done covered a little bit of this. The man of God behind the pulpit has changed. The man of God behind the pulpit has changed. And I know I've done said this, but it's worthy to say again. You used to see all the preachers that was called. I want to say I ain't got nothing for not a God-called preacher. It's not a career that I'm doing, but it is a calling on God. Preaching ain't something I like to do for fun, but it's something I've got to do. I just didn't get a bright idea one day, hey, I'm going to pick up a Bible and I'm going to begin preaching. No, that ain't what I did. But I was called by God to be a God-called preacher. I'm not a daddy sent mother-called preacher, but God called me to be a preacher. And if there's one thing that has changed in the pulpit, it is the material of the pulpit, and it is the man of God that places their self behind the pulpit. They're not God-called men, all of them, that stand behind the pulpit. 
said, but they're doing it for vacation. They're doing it for retirement. They're doing it because it's an easy paycheck. I'm going to tell you, we don't need preachers that are stay-at-home moms. We don't need preachers that call themselves Mr. Mom. But we need men of God that will set an example in their own house. The Bible said, you know what the qualification of a bishop is, of a pastor, is that if he can't rule his own household, how's he going to rule the house of God? We've got men, so-called men of God, behind the pulpit that have changed. They might as well call their wife to pastor the church because behind closed doors, she's making all the decisions. She's telling the man of God what to do. She's got him on a string and controlling him. Every move he makes, we're not doing that. Don't preach that. You'll make a man and we'll have to move out of the house. A man of God needs his own house. He don't need the church to supply his living. Notice here, the man behind the pulpit has changed. Not only that, the message. The message behind the pulpit changed. Notice what the Bible said about Nehemiah or Nehemiah chapter 8 about Ezra. Notice what he brought behind this pulpit. The Bible said, and Ezra opened the book in verse number 5, in the sight of all the people. Ezra, a man of God, wasn't ashamed to open the word of God before the people. And that's one thing that has changed behind our pulpit. Behind God's pulpit. We've got men of so-called men of God that are ashamed to open up the book and to preach line upon line, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Let me tell you what we need in this generation is not a preacher that'll make our children feel good. We don't need a preacher that'll make our families feel good. You say, preacher, we got them leaving the church. I'm not here to make them feel good. I'm called to preach to their hearts. They get mad and leave. It ain't my business. They can take it up with God. Notice here, notice here we've got parents that'll get mad at the preacher for preaching on their children. Preaching on preaching against sin. Let me tell you something this morning. If I ever, if God ever told me to leave Broad River Baptist Church and had me sit for a while and not pastor or not go in evangelism or, 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 or nursing home ministry or whatever, if he, said, if he said, son, it's time for you to just sit for a little while, I'm going to tell you, I would take my children where they could sit under a man of God that'll tell them the truth. I was not ashamed to preach on sin. Let me tell you something. If you don't think the devil's rapid in our day to get these little children and destroy their life, you're dead wrong. You better set them under a man of God that's not ashamed to preach the truth to them. That's not ashamed to preach against fornication. That's not ashamed to preach against alcohol. That's not not ashamed to preach against shacking up and all this other nonsense that our children is seeing and our children will fall into. If it wasn't for a man of God that'll stand up behind the pulpit and to preach to them the truth. True word of God. You don't think the devil's got something for them, you're dead wrong. I don't have Facebook or all this other stuff. I used to be against it 100%, but as I began to, God began to show me a few things, it's the devil's tool. 
uh, uh, to get to our young people. It can be used. It's, can I say this this morning that there's certain things that this world has. It's a good tool, uh, but it's dangerous when it becomes a toy. And can I say this? Facebook may be a good tool to uh, to reach the uh, reach people or to connect with uh, long friends, but when it's used as a toy, it will destroy your life and destroy the church and destroy our people. And I don't have a Facebook, but if you do, I'm not condemning you by no means. But uh, my sister sent me a text this uh, week about a thing that is going on on YouTube about uh, uh, attacking our little kids from ages two to five. And I've got a three-year-old, so that uh, that hurts me. I have to know that the devil's already out trying to get him. The devil is already out trying to destroy his life. And and let me say, church, when you've got a little uh, little girl that comes up on the YouTube channel that looks just like a demon out of the pits of hell and telling the children, I'm talking about two to five-year-olds, uh, they're telling them how to uh, turn the stove on while their mom and daddy's asleep. And if they tell their parents, they're going to come in the house and, and kidnap them and kill them and, and telling our little two and five-year-olds how to uh, commit suicide and stick a fort through a light socket. Let me tell you something, parents. I'm preaching to myself today. You better be guard of what your children are doing. You better not just give them some kind of uh, some kind of advice where you'll, they'll get out of your hair. Let me tell you something. You had them children because it's a blessing from God. We didn't have them to receive a check every month, but we had them because it's God's amazing grace to raise them children. And it's time to raise to stand up and be a parent and to teach them children right from wrong and not depend on Nickelodeon to do it, not depend on Disney Channel to do it, or Nintendo or Apple, but to be aware of what our children is on because the devil is one step away from filling their mind with corruption. And it's real. And it's real. The man behind the pulpit is changed. The message behind the pulpits changed. The material behind the pulpits changed. The people's changed. They're not together no more. They're not together. They're not thirsty. They don't spend time around the Word of God. They're not thankful. The man of God's changed. He's not true anymore. He's not true anymore. By God's amazing grace, I'll try to be true to the Lord Jesus Christ and true to the things of God. As we close today, I want to ask you, are you one of those that have changed? 